This is comeback season part two. And uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 36 is our text. It says, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. We'll just stop there. He died. This is what we've been saying is as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have purpose in your life. So this is the test if you are capable of a comeback. If you've got breath in your lungs, you've got purpose in your life. It says, when David had served his purpose in his generation, then and only then, he fell asleep. Then and only then, he died. This is, and we believe this is prophetic, this is comeback season. This is comeback season for you. This is comeback season for your business. This is comeback season for your relationships. This is comeback season for your hope for your faith, for your joy, for your peace, for your contentment, for your siblings, for your family, for your kids, for your, in any area that the enemy has tried to wreak havoc on your life and what God's given you, then we prophetically declare that this is comeback season. Now listen, I'm going to tell you this, the comeback's not just going to show up and drop into your life. You're going to have to make a decision right now today that this is my comeback season. You are going to have to be stubborn in your belief that this is an opportunity for God to do something in and through your life. I can't get your comeback for you. I can't, I can't Amazon Prime your comeback to you. I wish that would be amazing. I, I, I can't fight for you. I can only announce that the season is here and you have an opportunity to step into that season. We've been talking about comebacks, and as you know, I'm super competitive, and I love sports, and um, I, I don't love certain teams and certain players, um, but that's all right. Everyone has their opinion, okay? Uh, but arguably, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Love him or hate him, you have to respect him. Uh, Super Bowl 51 was the greatest Super Bowl comeback in history. And uh, the uh, New England Patriots, and I've been paid a lot of money to use this example, so here I am. Every man has a price. And uh, New England Patriots are behind 20, it's a joke, by the way. Uh, New England Patriots are behind 28 to 3 with about six minutes left in the third quarter. It is all but over. The announcers are saying it's over. They're talking about how Tom Brady might be on the end of his career. They obviously couldn't see the future. Uh, They they said the Belichick-Brady era is over. The Patriots were down 28-3 with 8.31 to go in the third quarter. Brady and team went on to score five on five straight drives including two touchdown drives with two successful two-point conversions. Now, all of you don't care about football or sports, you're yawning, that's all right. For some of us, we're on the edge of our seats. This is like life to some of us. This is like, this is like I don't even need lunch today because we talked about this. It's a, it's a, the Patriots would go on to win the coin toss in overtime, elected to receive the ball. James White scored on a two-yard touchdown to give the Patriots the unbelievable win, the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. You know what, there's there's something to be learned from sports comebacks that I think might help us in our own faith and belief in our personal comebacks. We say, as long as there's breath in your lungs, that there's purpose in your life. We could say this for sports analogies, as long as there's time on the clock, right? There's a chance 
for a comeback. Tom Brady believed, apparently, I don't know if you've heard this, some people say it's a rumor, some people say it's true, but that Tom Brady to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers every single day uh, before they won the last Super Bowl, he texted his entire team saying, I want you to say this with me, we will win. Every single day for two weeks up until the Super Bowl and then deliver. There is something about a winning mentality that decides I will not lose. This is my comeback season. I'm getting it back. And I don't know why the devil likes to pry his way or has the opportunity to pry his way into our faith, our beliefs, our families, and get us to start believing, even with breath still in our lungs, even with time still on the clock, that that it might be too late for us, that our best days might be behind us. We might have seen the end of what was. What, I mean, it used to be. I, I remember it used to be so good. It used to be so, but it might be over now. I used to have such high expectations, high thoughts, but, but now reality has sunk in. Now, now real life has sunk in. I want you to go again to the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 9. This is an incredible story uh, that I heard Bishop T.D. Jakes preach almost 15 years ago from this text, and it changed my life. And um, I, I want to use this story as a backdrop for our second part of this series. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3, it says, The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? When you think about God, do you think about kindness? I think it could change your entire outlook on life if you did not think of God as an ogre or as someone who's angry or upset, but if you actually in your mind thought about God as as kind. Here he is in the Old Testament, crazy time. Old Testament was crazy. Crazy time. I mean, there's some stories in there. It's like, yeah. I was talking to somebody. I, was, I went through the Starbucks drive-thru, and, and um, the lady knows I'm a pastor, and, and, and she said, Pastor, what's the message on this Sunday? And uh, so I started telling her, and she said, she said, I'm reading through the Bible right now. And she said, thank God I made it through Leviticus. I'm like, man, you should have just like skipped forward, start in the New Testament. She is like wading through Leviticus. In the Old Testament, this is what it's declaring. God is looking, David is looking as a representation, a prophetic type and shadow of God, of someone to show God's kindness. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both feet. He's a son, but he's crippled. He's seed. He's a descendant of the royal family, but he's crippled. Where is he, the king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Makur, son of Amoniel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makir, son of Amoniel. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied, do not be afraid. David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness. I just love thinking of the kindness of God. For the sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore to you all the land. I will restore to you all. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather's father, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. You always eat at my table. Mephibosheth, this is comeback comeback season. I was, I was driving a couple weeks ago, and um, I, was, I was trying to follow the map, you know, Google Maps and the directions, and I missed my exit. And uh, you ever missed one of those exits that it's like there's not an exit every mile? It's like 
you're going to be here for a while. And so, so I'm just I'm angry because I missed the exit. I just got to drive. I don't know how long to get the next exit to come back past my exit so I can get and take my exit. It's like, man, delays. So frustrating because I missed my exit. And I was praying this week, and I, and I felt like the Lord impressed on my heart to tell you that, that many people are missing their season. They're missing the comeback season for lack of acting at the place of opportunity. There's an old saying that says an opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. And I believe this is true prophetically for comeback seasons. There are opportunities, there's exits, there are doors that open. But we have a responsibility to decide that I'm not going to stay in my dysfunction. I'm not going to stay in my discouragement. I've got to... I've got to get off this highway so that I can step into my comeback season. I remember being so frustrated that I, that I missed an exit because that was, my, that was my opportunity. My boys were signed up last year to play, play baseball. First time uh, they were going to play baseball, we signed them up, and, and then COVID hit. And they, they canceled the season. And, man, we did everything right. We signed up. We did the stuff. I was coaching the team, which maybe it was the Lord that COVID came. And, just came. and, 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 and I'm, 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 we're ready. We've got the gear. We've got everything. But the season has been canceled. It's over. Nothing we can do about it. And, again, I was praying this week, and I was reminded that, that sometimes the enemy's greatest deception is trying to convince us that a season has been canceled that only God can cancel. What I mean by that is that when we say comeback season, we get a circumstance that stands in the way of the opportunity, and we think because of a bad circumstance that God's season has been canceled. Nobody can cancel what God has started. Nobody can curse what God has blessed. Nobody can put a period or a conclusion or a due day, an expiration day on the things that God is doing. This is encouraging, and this is important to know that when God says there's a season, a comeback season. When God says there's an opportunity, it doesn't matter what your circumstances tell you. God's word is what is final. It's comeback. It's comeback season. David, in verse 3, he was looking for someone from the house of Saul to whom he says, I can show God's kindness. I want to just ask you this question. Just think about this for a second. If you know the Old Testament, there's beautiful, uh, just beautiful stories, a lot of violence, we know, but there's just incredible prophetic typologies, and the, the, the theology in the Old Testament is so beautiful. This is what David says. He says he wants to show God's kindness to someone from the house of Saul. Now, this is interesting because Saul tried to kill David. Saul was not a fan of David and his life. David and Jonathan, who was Saul's son, were best friends. So now David is king. Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead. And David says, I want to show God's kindness to a descendant or to the seed of Saul. This is really important. God works through seed time and harvest. It, the Bible says, for as long as there is the earth, there will be seed time. And you know what this is? Seasons. There'll be, there'll be seasons. Seasons where we sow and seasons where we reap. Galatians teaches us, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap from the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you'll reap from the spirit. It's really important 
what you sow. Now, this is crazy. The kindness of God is looking for seed. Where there has been royal seed, now David is looking to show kindness. Why? Not because Mephibosheth was special. Not because he did something special. Not because he was someone great. Not because he had great gifting or great resource. The only reason that God was zeroing in on Mephibosheth was because he was seed. I'm going to show you something. In setbacks, you have to be very careful. In, in downturns, in discouraging times, in crisis times, you have to be really careful where you sow your seed. See, see, sowing, seed time and harvest is happening whether you like it or not. And when you sow in a discouraging moment, faith in God, you will reap from the faith that you've sown. It's interesting to me that most times when people go through a difficult season is they sow the worst seed. All of a sudden, life hits you. It turns you upside down. Somebody hurts you, says something against you, and instead of blessing those who curse you, we retaliate. That's a seed. We harbor unforgiveness. It's a seed. We lash out. It's a, it's, it's a seed. In, in the most difficult times of our life, when we're about to enter into comeback season, we sow some of the most negative seed. And then we shake our fist at God, wondering where our comeback is and where his kindness is, but his kindness finds seed. So I want to encourage you that when you're in a downturn, instead of shaking your fist at God, you should praise God. When you're in a discouraging moment, you should thank God for the answer that you do not see yet because you're sowing a seed into your future answer and to the future fulfillment of what you cannot see yet. Well, that sounds kind of silly. It sounds really biblical to me that the seed that you sow will be the harvest that you reap. We believe it in the earth. Why can't you believe it in the spirit? You're not going to plant carrots and expect watermelons to show up. I don't think. You're not going to be a good gardener if you are. Like, that is a crazy looking watermelon. It, it's not a watermelon. You, you, the, the seeds you plant is the seeds you harvest. Some people think they can sow discord and sow gossip and sow slander and receive blessing. What, what, kind, of, what kind of craziness are you drinking on the weekend? To get you to think that I sow bitterness and I receive faithfulness. That I sow anger and I receive honor. That I sow, you reap what you sow. You know what's crazy? This is crazy about church. This is crazy about church. I love y'all. Everybody, everybody. I love, I love y'all. Birds of a feather flock together. You ever heard this? You can find one offended person and that one offended person will find another offended person and they're going to plant seeds together. I, I was in youth ministry for years. You can find one rebellious kid, the worst kid in the entire youth ministry. You go to youth camp with a hundred other churches, and the rebellious kids find each other. <laughs> Within minutes. Within minutes. It's crazy. It's like, oh, no, there goes little Johnny. Oh, no, there goes their little Johnny. Johnnies are together. We've got bad seed. <laughs> About to have some bad results. I mean, you never, you, you never see the kid taking notes, all of a sudden befriend the kid that's sneaking out of the service. 
They're in different universes. They're in different places. And in church, you know what? Disgruntled people find disgruntled people. And offended people find offended people. And angry people find angry people. And gossips find gossips. Seed time and harvest. Let's just look at this, how this happens. Be careful what you sow in seasons of setbacks. Second part of verse 3, it says, Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan, and he's crippled in both his feet. So let me just ask you this question. How did Mephibosheth get crippled? How, how did he, get, we know his condition. How did he get his condition? Because that's important. If you ever want to make a comeback, it is important to know how you got to where you are. So in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, it tells us, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. When he was five years old, when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, his nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell, and he became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, as a child, was dropped. He was, he was hurt, not by his own accord and not by his own choices. He was a recipient of someone else's carelessness but he carried with him the damage that was given to him. For the rest of his life, he was crippled. Not be, you ever went through something that was unfair? Like you got heartache, not because of what you did, but because of what someone else did? You ever been attacked because of what someone else did and they want to put the crosshairs on you because they can't see them and crippled? Mephibosheth! is now carrying dysfunction that he didn't ask for, that he didn't deserve. In fact, he is of the royal lineage. He's a king's son. And he's forgotten, and he's left, and he's crippled. And all the while, he doesn't even know it, but there is a king that is rising to power that is looking to show him kindness. Could I just sidebar this, that when you're about to give up on God, when you're about to give up on your promises, you have no idea what God is doing in the background, working on your behalf, that right when you're about to give up, God could be coming on the scene to show you kindness. So that's why I would caution you that as long as you got breath in your lungs that you wouldn't give up on God or shake your fist at God, just keep sowing in the desert. Keep sowing in the pain. Keep sowing in the wilderness. Well, I'll sow when God comes through. God ain't coming through for you, sister, because all you got is bitterness and offense and poison and all you're doing in your downturn is sowing more of what you've had and you have no idea why your season won't turn around. Newsflash, you're reaping what you've sown. If you want to change what you're reaping, you have to change what you sow. Mephibosheth is crippled. In both his feet. And all the while, God's searching for someone to show him kindness. Have you ever found yourself in a low place because of others' decisions? Have you ever went through a difficult season that wasn't your fault? This was an attack against Saul's family. Saul was the king. David became the king. And all of Saul's family was killed. Now listen to this. Except for Mephibosheth. Now, the reason that they killed, I'm, if I'm going too deep, I'm, I'm sorry. This is just like really good. If, if, uh, it, the reason they killed all the king's sons was so that the king would have no, no heir, no heir to the throne. 
They killed everybody except for Mephibosheth. This is going to set somebody free. The reason they didn't kill Mephibosheth is because he was crippled. And a crippled man could ne never become king. So what disqualified him from being murdered... The, the thing that was his setback, the thing that was his problem, the thing that was his dysfunction actually saved his life. He was the only descendant of Saul that they did not kill. And when God came searching for someone to show kindness to, he came to the man. Mephibosheth could have been bitter. He could have been upset. But the thing that actually hurt him was the thing that saved him. And it was the thing that made him visible to God. Did you know that your setbacks, your failures, your mistakes could be the very thing that makes you visible? It could be the thing that kept you. It could be the thing that makes you visible to the blessing and to the kindness and the goodness of God. Mephibosheth could have said, forget you, King David. Forget you, God. Forget all of you. Because here I am crippled, but he was alive. Breath in your lungs and purpose in your life. The fact that you went through what you went through and it didn't kill you proves that God still has a plan for your life. Verse 4 says, where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Makir, son of Amnil, in Lodabar. Now this is interesting. Lodabar means a place of desolation or barrenness. So because of what happened to him, Mephibosheth, it left him in a place of barrenness, a place of desolation, a sad place, a dead place. What he had went through had brought him to this desolate, barren place. Listen, shame will try to get you to settle for the low places in life. When we're talking about comeback season, some of y'all think about like, like two things that you're doing well in. Yes, comeback. No, I'm, I'm talking about the hidden things. I'm talking about the little things, the things you try to cover. I'm talking about the things that you're embarrassed of. I'm, trying to th I'm, I'm talking about the places of bondage that you just settled for just getting by with. I'm talking about those hidden places that you keep you awake at night. I'm talking about those decisions that you, that you stress over and that you're worried about because you know you made the wrong. I'm talking about all those things that are hidden that we don't even qualify for a comeback. Those are the things that God's after. Those are the things that he wants to recover for you. Those are the things that he wants to bring life into and bring freedom for you. It says, but Mephibosheth, he settled, settled, settled. That's where many Christians are. We just settle. Settle for partway freedom. Settle for Sunday checklists. Settle. Settle. But God wasn't done with Mephibosheth. He wasn't done. Breath in his lungs and purpose. And it's like, God wasn't, God's not done with you. God's not done. Well, I'm a little older. God's not done with you? What are you talking about? You think a couple years weakens God's power from being able to use your life? You think if you're 30 or 50, it makes a difference to God? You think if you're 50 or 70, it makes a difference to God? You think if you're 90 or 70, it makes... God's power's weakened because of your age? God's outside of time and space. He's not affected by your age. You are. He's not affected by your past. You are. Culture can cancel you. People can cancel you. But my Bible says you can't curse what God has blessed. 
And if God says you're not canceled, if God says his hand is on you, if God says his anointing is on you, if God says you have purpose in your life, then no hell, it, no demon in hell, no principality, ruler of darkness, no opposing force, idea, people group can get in the way of what God wants to do. You know, sometimes the crippling places are the biggest blessing in disguise. The crippling places make sure that your focus is on God when he brings you through. If, if, if Mephibosheth wasn't crippled, he would have thought he had ownership of the throne because of who he is. But because of what disqualified him, he said, I'm not even worthy. When he came into the presence of David, he bowed down. He, he, low, he, he, he made himself as nothing because he didn't think he would. But that place of humility... Was the, was, the, was, was the thing that opened the door for him to be ushered into the presence. He didn't come against David to take the throne. He came into the throne room with humility because he saw that he was flawed. He saw that he had something that disqualified him. And that disqualification made him think that he was nothing. But God said, I'm not going to stop because of that. Now when God uses Mephibosheth, God's going to get all the glory. Just like when he uses you. God's going to get all the glory. Some, some people I grew up with, they just can't even believe that I'm doing good. They can't even believe it. Because I, this is, it's God. They can't believe that I've made it through some of the things I've made. God. But why are you here? You should be dead. Why, how'd you even make it in the building? How are you even in the marriage you're in? How? Because God's working somehow, some way in the background for your life. Life will always try to make temporary conditions permanent positions. This is what, when, you're, when, you're, when you're in that discouraging moment, when you're in Lodabar, when you're in the place of barrenness, this is what life wants to do. The enemy wants to do is try to put up walls to keep you where you are to get you to settle for a less than life, to get you to settle for partial freedom, to get you settle for partial blessing. In a comeback season, God will do a couple things. In a comeback season, God will show you kindness. This is what we said in the, saw in the first verse, and they repeat it, in, it late, later on in the passage. In a comeback season, God will show you kindness. Why does he get kindness? Because he is royal seed. So I'm going to encourage you, if you want to see a comeback in your life, then you have to begin to sow seed in every area of your life, out of your mouth, financially, spiritually, in every area, you're sowing seed. What is sowing seed? Sowing seed is putting something into the ground by faith that you cannot see the result from. So when I praise God, it's a seed. When I worship in a bad season of life, it is a seed. When I sing how good God is, when my life is bad, it is a seed. What I'm doing is I'm building the bridge out of Lodabar and into my comeback. But the problem is that too many people settle in Lodabar. And they sow more bitterness on top of their barrenness and their mad at God that they can't get out. 
You have a responsibility and an invitation to walk out of what you've been in. I know it's bad. I know you're crippled. I know it's a barren place, but the barren place doesn't have to be your future place if you learn how to sow. What does it mean to sow? I give something that I can't see yet. I say something that I can't see yet. I'm investing into this season before I can see the results. He's going to show me his kindness. Seasons always reveal seed. I'll say it again. Just let it settle into your life. Seasons always reveal seed. If you're stuck in a season, it's because of your seed. If you look back at your life and you've always been in the same season, I say this is like love, okay? It's because you're seed. If you look back at your life and you've had a lot of bad seasons, but you've walked through them, it's because of your seed. No, not the bad season, because you walked through them. Every person is going to go through bad seasons. The people that get stuck in seasons are people that sow bad seed in the bad season. The people that go through bad seasons are the people that sow good seed in the bad season. You know what I've just made a commitment to do? I'm just going to sow good seed even in bad times. I'm going to sow good seed in bad seasons. So my giving financially is not dependent on if I'm doing good or bad financially. My giving in my worship is not, do, is not dependent if I'm doing good or bad emotionally. The things that I do, the things that I say are not dependent on the season I'm in. I have made a decision and we should make the decision that in comeback season, no matter how bad it looks, we are going to sow good things. In the comeback season, God will show you kindness, and God will, and we talked, touched on this last week, he will restore what has been taken. As we begin to close, I want you to, I want you to get this in your mind. There is nothing that the enemy can have that should be okay with you. A resolute stubbornness that says he can't have anything. If he took one minute of your joy, you got to get it back. If he robbed one year of your life, you got to get it back. And you can look back at all the years you've lost, or you can start sowing in the desert that you're in and decide that in the future you have a greater harvest than what you left behind. It's all dependent on what you do today. I look back at my life and I, I wish I could tell you I haven't had bad seasons. I wish I could tell you I haven't had times where I've been discouraged, maybe borderline depressed. I wish I could tell you I hadn't had seasons where I was anxious, where I was heavy, where I wondered where God was. But you know when I look back at my life, this is what I can see. I've never stayed. I've never stayed in Lodabar. Lodabar has no hold on me. I've been through some barren places. I've been through some dark seasons. But I've never stayed. That's the grace of God, friend. That's his kindness that reaches to me and it reaches to you. And I don't deserve it. I'm crippled in my heart. I'm crippled in my mind. But he looked to show kindness to me. He looked to show kindness to me. And he came to give me back everything that has been taken. And we're not stopping until we get back 
You're not stopping until you get back. Everything that the enemy tried to take from you. Isaiah 54, 17, we've been using it. says, no weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. This is scripture I'm praying every day. I'm declaring this right now. No weapon forged against me, against you, against this house will prosper. In fact, God is your vindication. God is your defender. God is standing up for you. God is searching to show kindness to you. And this is a crazy thing. You ready for this? This is, this, is, this is wild. In a comeback season, God will save you a seat. Now, this is interesting. Because Mephibosheth is crippled. He's in Lodabar. He's a place of barrenness. The problem with being crippled that even if the king would summon you and you'd come into the temple, you could serve in the temple being crippled, but you couldn't sit at the table. That's just the way it was. So you could come close, but you couldn't sit with the kings. So David calls Mephibosheth up, and he tells him, you're not only, not only is God going to show kindness to you, he's going to restore to you all the lands that have been taken from your seed, have been taken from your father and your father's father, Saul and John. He said, I'm giving you all the lands back. You're recovering everything. He says, and you will always eat at my table. And I, but he's crippled. And I saw this picture years ago, and I think this is just so crazy. This is so wild. His, his legs are crippled. David says, come and sit at the table. When Mephibosheth pulls up under the table, and everybody looks around the room, they can't see. He just looks like another son. The thing that's disqualifying you from your comeback is what is covered by grace when you come to Jesus. And just so you know, your comeback has a reservation. Base party of four, you have a reservation for your comeback. And when I pull up to the table, all my weakness, all my discouragement, all my mistakes, all my failures are covered. Psalm 23 says he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Man, he's making me dinner in the presence of my enemies. Pulled up to the table, covered by his grace. Thank you, Jesus, that it's not about my merit, my goodness, my right standing, but about your goodness and your grace. And he says, I, temple's not going to do for you, son. I got a reservation. I got a reservation for you. I got a reservation for you. And it's at my table. And when you sit at my table, nobody's going to look at what you've done. Nobody's going to look at the bad seasons. Nobody's going to look at the bad choices. When you sit at my table, son, my table covers what the enemy tried to expose. That's powerful. Think about how many things disqualify you from God's goodness in your mind. Well, I mean, it was my, my bad. Look at all the things I did. Look at all the, yeah, look at all the things you did. And because you've sown in Lodabar, God's looking for you to show you kindness. And he's saying, come on, come on. I've got a reservation with your name on it. Well, that's good for church 1130. No, 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 no. Your name, you, you. You know what Mephibosheth means? Mephibosheth means 
exterminator of shame, child of grace. He's the exterminator. A crippled man is the exterminator of shame. I like sounds like a, that's like a boss name too. So I, I think Terminator when I hear exterminator. It's like that is woo, that's bad. Mephibosheth sitting at the table. David's like, look over there. Look at Mephibi. He's the exterminator of shame. The devil wants to shame you. Life wants to shame you. People want to shame you. And God's looking to show you his kindness. God's looking to give you a seat at his table. Not just serve me in the house. Come and sit at my table. You're my son. You're my daughter. You receive my blessing. You have my hand. You have my authority. And you're getting back every single thing that the enemy tried to take from you. He tried to steal it. He tried to rob it. And you are getting it back because it's comeback season. This is what we prophetically declare. This is comeback season for you, for your family for your neighbors, for your friends. This is, this is, this is comeback. This is comeback season. Psalm, verse, Psalm 40 verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry. Waiting patiently is a seed. You hear me? Waiting patiently is a seed. And the Lord turned to me. And he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my heart and a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. David honored the seed. And the seed superseded the dysfunction. So let me tell you this. The seeds that you sow are greater than the failures that you've committed. Want to say it for sin? The seed that you've sown is even greater than the sin you've committed. Well, you don't know. The grace of God is the table he's prepared when he says, come and sit with me. When the king calls and we say, yeah, he covers us, he forgives us. And he gives us a seat at his table. My, my family, when we were growing up, Thanksgiving's like a big deal. My mom is a big deal. She has like all of these decorations she's had for as long as I can remember. She still has them to this day. And today's her birthday. Happy birthday, mom. <laughs> Hope you're not listening to this. But she would set out. She was just like really intense about the name cards. Everybody, like you do not sit in some place that is not your place. There is a name, there's a name there. And you sit where your name is at. And I remember the day that I went from the kids' table, anybody had this, to the adult table? Because I went to the kids' table, I'm looking for my name, I'm like, wait, mom, really? Like, where is, and she's like, Dustin, you're at the adult table. I'm like, oh, I'm at the adult table. I'm looking at my brother like, what up, Ryan? How you doing over there? How you liking that? I'm over here at the big boy. Why am I here? Because my, my name's... You have a comeback with your name on it. And you can wait, and you can leave it, and you can shake your fist at God and wonder why it's not coming. Or you can recognize it's comeback season. I got to take the exit off of my dysfunction, off of the freeway of offense, off of the free freeway of pain. And I'm going to step into everything God has for me, and I'm ready to make a decision that says this. I will take advantage of my comeback season. And even when I can't see it, 
I'm going to sow into it. Even when I don't feel it, I'm going to sow into it. Because I know if I can be patient and wait, that there is a comeback with my name.